I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello, fantasy managers, and welcome to the MLS Fantasy Insider. Tonight, we're going to preview round nine of the 2020 fantasy season. This episode brought to you by Kickoff Time Changes, MLS's second best-kept secret behind injury. No, wait, 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 sorry, sorry, no, no. Uh, actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon supporters of the MLS Fantasy Insider. You guys are awesome and a good news i got the stickers in the mail so i am finally ready to start sending out this swag after some little delays with with covid and mailing and making sure people could resupply it it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i've got all the stuff now and i'm going to be sending it out and so it's going to be awesome i'm your host reed Connolly from mlsfantasyboss.com and tonight i'm joined by my partner in fantasy mr michael denton how are you tonight sir Doing well. Um, I, I really liked how last week it was like, we're not going to tell you the kickoff times. I think they could really add a new strategy element of trying to guess which games are actually <laughs> happening in fantasy. Could really take the game into a whole new level. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that's how we get the views on social and everything. Like, got to keep hitting that refresh button to find out when the game is. Yeah, We almost had that, I mean, until the schedule drop came. Uh, it was it was just all who knew what was going on. Uh, you'll notice that we don't have Blaine with us tonight. He is dealing with uh, a family issue, so we do ask that uh, for those of you who are listening either now or later, anytime that you're listening to the show, uh, please do keep Blaine and his family in your thoughts and prayers and on your mind uh, as he's dealing with with something that, uh, frankly, I mean, Mike and I know what's going on, but we just don't see it as our place to share. Blaine can do that uh, if he so wishes, but just keep Blaine in mind right now. Uh, okay, well, let's. Uh, that's some of the things I just wanted to make sure we touch base on. Let's talk fantasy. If you guys hadn't noticed, today I launched a new initiative on Twitter. The uh, just not shortly named initiative of let's get extra time to talk more about MLS fantasy. If we can do that, let's send them questions right now. Uh, we're going to work on an acronym or, or a more succinct name. To go with that uh, but no i've i've been thinking about this for a little bit and uh, mike blaine and i have talked about some stuff like this after the show uh sort of our like after broadcast chats uh and we've talked about this and i just decided i'm gonna i was gonna do it today and i'm going to do my best to each week send extra time at least one fantasy related question I'm going to try to do two, one for before each episode, but I'm at least going to try to send one fantasy-related question uh, at the beginning of the week so they could talk about it in either episode of Extra Time when they drop those. Uh, this week, I actually, uh, they were mentioning Tinnerholm as, as a great right back, so definitely check out to listen to that, and I sent in a, me a message at being like, what about fantasy? Top scoring fantasy defender, uh, and he is cheaper priced than the next five top defenders after him, so I tried to throw that in there of do they think that that he's worth their pick and then of course which i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about tonight as well uh, i also mentioned higuain uh and uh, if after his disappointing start to uh, his career at miami with that pk 
if they thought that he was worth his price for fantasy for this coming week, and if not, who were other forwards who they thought would be better. So I have not listened to this episode of Extra Time yet. Uh, I do not know if they talked about those questions uh, or if I even sent them in in time, but I did send them over. And so <laughs> what I'm asking everyone else is let's do this together. Operation Get More Fantasy on Extra Time. Uh, just send over uh, a question once or twice a week, just something general. It could be how bad is the DC versus Atlanta game going to be? really fantasy-wise. Do I want someone? Anything. Which player should I pick? Is Weeby going to change his roster? Anything just to see if we can get at least one mention each week about the fantasy game on Extra Time. Uh, that's that's my new initiative, and I hope it takes off. Uh, do you approve, like Mike? I, I approve of harassing Weeby in whatever form <laughs> is deemed necessary. <laughs> And he's a great sport. I mean, we can get Charlie and Goss in there. I'd love to hear what Charlie has to say about fantasy because, I mean, we know Weeby's track record. David Goss would probably just be focused on all the all the 21 under 21 on his team and, and they would not be successful at all. Um, ben Bear's doing well. I mean, he's got he's put up some good scores. I still see him in our Experts League. Uh, but I would love to hear some of Charlie's takes on uh, fantasy. Just being a player, I'd want to know if he has some insights that he could use to his advantage. I know when um, we had Bobby Warshaw on that he did talk about how for players it's like this is a job and so it loses, this fantasy loses some of this this fun element likely to it because it is what you do. But they play, people play FIFA. Charlie was talking about how people were playing FIFA and talking about their scores and, and so mm -hmm. maybe maybe he's got some insights about fantasy. So I don't know. I'd love to hear some of some Charlie's takes on on players, even if it's just ridiculousness, like ah, I was in the locker room with that guy, I would never put him on my fantasy team. He's ridiculous, <laughs> something like that. Like I would, I would love any ridiculous thing at all. So let's see if we can do it. Getting more fantasy talk on extra time. Uh, hello, everyone who is in chat with us. Hello, Shannon, Felix. Uh, hello, Charles. Hello, Patrick. Uh, I know lots of you guys have had some good scores. If you are in chat with us right now, go ahead and share your scores for this past massive double game week. Uh, Mike, how did you do? So I think I did pretty well. Um, 102. Um, so I mean, not one of the barn burners uh, of scores, but um, pretty good overall. Um, I had Kevin Molino on my team and he didn't play. Mm -hmm. I'm still not quite certain why. It seems like he's picked up some sort of hamstring tightness, maybe. Uh, but they ended up working out for me because I had um, two players on my bench who could come in. I had Bassett, um, who got 12 points in the first Colorado game, which was really good that he didn't need him in the second Colorado game, which we'll talk about. <laughs> uh, and then I had a Bobasi who got um, seven points. Um, really, the only disappointment on my team ended up being Valeri, who only got four points. Um, even though LAFC scored bonkers goal rossi only got nine points which is a little bit surprising considering they got was it five or six against vancouver six yeah yeah uh but otherwise the, the rest of the team did well um i was lucky enough to have farrell over butner um so i was able to take advantage of new england's clean sheet uh and get uh, 10 points uh, excuse me seven points from him um segura also turned out well he got an assist in both games uh and then my captain um well, Captain Rossi, so that ended up okay. Quintero had a good second game. K did as well. So overall, like pretty much solid scores from everyone all around. Um, I think the only way my team would have been better if, if I did in fact go with Tenerhome um, is he had a, a great game against FC Cincinnati um, to 
re-clinch the MLSFI Cup since I thought we were done playing each other, but somehow we played each other again, so it was back <laughs> up for grabs, and then we won it again. So but you had, you had no, no, no pressure, no pressure for that one. You were, <laughs> you were good, no problems. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the scores in chat right now. Uh, so far, everyone is sharing scores that are all in the triple digits. Uh, Patrick 107, Shannon 114, Graham 106, uh, Charles 110, uh, Felix holding on to his number one spot 126. Excellent scores. Uh, looking over at our experts league, we do have some some dead teams, but that's that's sort of uh, expected uh, because of everything's happening this year. So we're kind of letting some of this slide. But uh, it looks like a lot of people. Unless it's Weeby. Oh, no, yeah, that's just that's just uh, par for the course for him. Uh, I scored 99 points. I had 100 even, which I was super happy about. And then James Ballow and Ben Bear stole a point from me. Uh, yeah. But but rough times. Blaine also got 99. I went ahead and checked out his team. I don't know if he lost a point, though, uh, with that. Um, my, my goalkeeper really let me down. I just ran with Luis Robles and uh, did not help at all. I also got bitten by the... Um, the New England game with with Butner and my team. I uh, was planning to switch him out with Farrell, um, but it that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but I did have uh, some great great luck with Romney. I had some great luck with with Bassett. Uh, I had Rossi captain. I had Shabilko in there, and I had Tinnerholm on my bench who came in and brought me those eighteen points. So I would have loved to have captained him. He was my my highest scoring player. Um, also had Quintero. He, he was the best player of the week. Um, yeah. In the dream team, he's a captain. He is. He is my high scoring player too. But he was on my bench, uh, taking advantage of what we talked about with um, Andrew Crawlard a couple weeks ago with some of those uh, boomer bust players. I just wasn't sure. Um, I didn't didn't quite know what might happen with with New York. They've had some coaching issues, and they've had some player issues, and some injury issues, and they just had issues. But uh, yeah. Tinnerholm has not well, been one of them. One of the things I think. Um, maybe it's worth talking about New York City. It's that New York City right now is a defensive first team. Um, all of their struggles have been on the offensive side. Uh, defensively, they've been pretty good about um, keeping down chances. Uh, Toronto, you know, outside of the penalty kick, was not generating a lot of chances against them. Um, and that's even with Pozuelo and Josie Altidore uh, available to them. So I think really for New York City, you're not looking offensively, you're looking at defensively. Uh, and that means you're not starting offensive players against them as much. Um, they really seem to have locked it down. Now, that may change a little bit. Um, Alex Ring did get hurt uh, this past week um, in a litany of injuries for New York City. They've lost Bear for the year. Uh, Max Morales is probably out for the rest of the regular season, and we haven't heard uh, about Alex Ring. But Alex Ring has been playing forward. James Sands has been defensive midfielder, uh, and he's been really, really good. He's probably not long uh, for MLS. He's probably got a a ticket to Europe waiting for him at some point, um, probably this offseason, uh, if I had to guess. But um, so, so New York City has been really good about limiting chances, um, and they've been really frustrating fantasy scores for offense players on the other side of the ball. So Tinnerholm is pretty much the best player to pick. Uh, because he's been rotated a few times, um, he's gotten those ones which have really dipped his uh, price value down. Uh, and he's also probably the best upside as far as maybe getting an assist, maybe getting a goal. So he's really got a lot of value uh, for fantasy players. Yeah, the dream team that Mike mentioned uh, ended up being a 4-4-2. Uh, 173 points was what the dream team scored. I did not check for uh, 
if it complies with our roster rules or uh, sorry our budget rules or not uh, of course the other mention out for me I will say I also had a letdown from Valeri and Rui Diaz that red card that got I think retroactively applied I believe uh, the disco came in and gave that um, after the first game and then uh, Valeri just didn't have a as strong performance as I was hoping for a couple of letdowns for me otherwise um, not awful. Happy I got out of that 70-point rut that for some reason I was in. So, yeah, 99 <laughs> points. Uh, based on the Experts League, if you were in that 90-point range, that's probably the average for a lot of people who had strong scores. The Experts League and a lot of the scores I saw, um, just from looking at the top top 50 players, um, if you hit triple digits, you were a little bit above the curve. That's that's awesome. Triple teens and higher, uh, you did great. You should definitely have seen some some rises and some increases in your in your ranking uh, i'm top 100 how's your how's your score looking mike um overall i'm at uh i think it was like uh 234 so, oh, so i rose 34 points um but i don't think i'm anywhere close to the champions league because the champions qualifier i'm like 1058 because <laughs> last week was so bad um, I'm pretty much done as far as the Champions League, but hopefully I'll have a good overall score because I don't, I don't know that I've actually finished top 200 um, yet overall. Nice. So if I can do that, this will be, be an improvement for me. Very nice. Uh, so let's talk about some quick takeaways. Those of you in chat, go ahead, share your, your most important fantasy takeaways uh, from this round eight. Uh, Mike, what do you have? Um, well, I think uh, I kind of talked about New York City. I, I think that's probably one of the big takeaways that I have. Um is really setting them as a defense first. Um, some other takeaways, um, I think LAFC's inconsistency. Um, they just blew out Vancouver and then got crushed the, themselves by San Jose. Uh, I think we were all kind of thinking that that San Jose game was also going to be a good opportunity for them, if not the better opportunity. For sure. Sending the way San Jose um, has been bleeding goals. Um Molino uh, being hurt, I think, was a big uh, issue. Um, I don't know why that happened, but you yeah, know, that's kind of frustrating. Um, I think probably the other big takeaway is Chicago kind of finally pu pu pulling it all together. We had talked a little bit about Moran. Um, I didn't go with him. Um, I'm looking at all the people in chat with 110 <laughs> uh, plus scores. And I think that's one of the players that they had that I didn't. Yeah. Um, all of them are pretty good value. They've been putting up very good expected goals. Uh, and they were finally able to kind of produce uh, this weekend. Um, they have a pretty good matchup. So I'm sure we'll be talking about them a little bit more uh, in picks. Um, otherwise, generally, it's more of the same. You need to be on your toes. I'm not sure why they didn't list the kickoff time for the New England Impact match correctly. Uh, that was something we just happened to catch on Twitter and be like, oh, hey, and try to put out the all alert on Twitter. Um, but that's really frustrating if you're not paying real, real close attention right. to it. If you're working like me, <laughs> and yeah. you get off of work and you're like, all right, let's look at my fantasy team for final tinkers. Uh, what? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that that was a big curveball, too, because you, you look at the lineup and see Montreal has basically rotated everybody out. So you really needed two New England defenders. Um, even though they didn't end up getting the clean sheet, I'm sure everyone looking at that lineup without Tider wanted New England coverage. So, um, yeah, I don't know why it, a little simple thing like that isn't right. It wasn't. Other takeaways, Atlanta is really, really bad. 
maybe worse than we thought. <laughs> but I don't know if that's a new takeaway. For sure. Uh, no, uh, Blaine wanted me to be sure to mention that, yes, Chicago was a big takeaway, and, yes, he did mention them last week, and he wanted credit for that, but he did uh, say Zardis didn't do as well as he had hoped. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's my first takeaway as well. Um, if you have not woken up to Chicago yet, you're definitely missing out. They've got a couple of players who are on a good run of form and uh, could be – the value's not as there as it once was because they have been successful over several weeks, and so the prices have risen, but several of them are still pretty good value. Uh, and with some good matchups, you could check out that and take advantage of it. Uh, be on the lookout for the New York Red Bulls. They had a couple of uh, four-point games this weekend, so they have some players who are worth checking out, uh, at least as uh, bench differentials that we've been talking about coming up. So uh, don't and sleep on the Red Bulls. They're all very cheap. And they have some great value right there with the Red Bulls. If you missed it, Kai Camaro has left Colorado and headed over to uh, Minnesota. Colorado is going through some COVID outbreak right now, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm sure Kai was tested several times, so with hope that doesn't spread to Minnesota. And a question that was mentioned on Twitter was they were wondering if there could be any spread at San Jose uh, because of this outbreak with Colorado. I'm going to assume that's that's probably no. I don't know who the players are, so I don't know, uh, but it's mostly <laughs> been the staff that's had the uh, only – Two, last count I saw, my count was two players and ten staff, but I believe the Atlantic said two players and nine staff, so that's what we're looking at there with Colorado. Right. Uh, but Kai so is yeah, in Minnesota. So Colorado's game was canceled. Um, I don't think they had any impact with Sporting Kansas City. Um, the other COVID situation we had this past weekend was Cincinnati had a player. Um, Nick Hagland. Who, Nick Hagland, who, who uh, disclosed it on Twitter, um, and he was the one who tested. Um, they let that game go forward. Um Apparently, everyone else on Cincinnati tested negative, so I'm not sure what, what the parameters that are different for why Colorado's game was canceled, but Cincinnati. But we haven't heard um, of a spike of cases in Cincinnati the way we have for Colorado. Right. Obviously, that's a situation to keep um, tabs on. Clearly, the Colorado-Portland game is in jeopardy. Um, as of right now, I would not recommend any players from those teams as a result, but you know that's on Friday, it may be a very different situation, so we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is worth noting, MLS is not disclosing which players they are, um, and frankly, I haven't seen reporters willing to kind of dig in and disclose that information for them, so that's something you have to find out in lineups anyway. So if Colorado and Portland does happen, and you do want to have like a Colorado player like Bassett, for example, that's something you're going to have to take a risk and pay attention to the lineup. And like Mike said, the reason uh, we know Nick Hagelin, it's because he came out and announced it on Twitter before then they had not disclosed. So that definitely seems to be a personal decision for a lot of the players if they do or don't. Uh, another takeaway I have is uh, clearly after a little bit of brief success, LA Galaxy is on the struggle bus again, and it seems to coincide with Chicharito coming back into the fold. Yeah, I, I looked at this for Leggett, um, who I... I like this week, but it's really tough because his numbers clearly take a dip yeah. around week six, and that week six is exactly when Chicharito comes back. Uh, if you hadn't noticed also, Philadelphia has had some defenders, some starting defenders who have been out uh, injured or unavailable at least the past two or three games. Um, that They've been putting up some clean sheets even with that, so I think that's just some good reinforcement of how uh, good Philadelphia is fantasy-wise, but you could find some value if you're still looking. Uh, also, the question I have uh, after that 
Goal Fest with LAFC, which uh, apparently Rossi didn't take a take a part of. But is Bradley Wright Phillips the best LAFC fantasy forward even without the minutes? Because it seems like with some of these high-scoring games, I mean, Rossi hasn't gotten a big piece of it, but BWP comes in for 50, 60 minutes and grabs two two goals, and there he goes. Um, B- BWP may need to be one of your bench players. Yeah. Just, he, I mean, he. when we talk about boomer bus players, he absolutely fits the bill. And he, he, he just, like, when he gets it, like, he's putting up, like, double digits. Uh, and then we also have to mention as, as a... Charles has said in chat is uh, Toronto. There were some questions about Toronto. I don't remember if we had them last week or two weeks ago, but we had some questions about Toronto and we're just talking about they had such a small, limited, not only sample size of games, but it was just the Canadian teams. Uh, this week they came away with uh, six points. Uh, they had the 1-0 win over New York City FC, and they had the 3-1 win over uh, Columbus Crew. So that was that was some very nice results from Toronto uh, I'm not sure how hard to go in on them next week. We'll talk about that during during our player pick section. But uh, great, great results from the Reds right there. Uh, otherwise, of course, we will mention the big fancy takeaway and a key question that we'll talk about coming up is uh, that PK miss for Higuain. Uh, not the start to the fantasy season, to the season season that I think players wanted. So if you did get... Higuain for your Inter-Miami coverage when he came in. Um, my condolences, because you were definitely at least as unhappy as he was after being taunted by the Philadelphia players. Uh, I think that's all I'm seeing in chat. This leads me to one question before we're going to get into the housekeeping. We've touched on this some, but this was specifically asked me on Reddit, so I thought I'd at least review it quickly with Mike. And anybody in chat, you are welcome to chime in on this. I got a question from Old Ham Bread from reddit and he said i would like a serious discussion on the game losing its audience i've been in a league with over a dozen friends and friends of friends for several years that is now essentially canceled since the salary cap rules make it too daunting i don't agree but enough people did so he likes the the rule change uh i'll i'll tweak this a little bit i had another question another comment sent to me on reddit uh which was fussing about the double game week rules um, making it hard for people to, to maintain interest. That comment was more focused on losing the ability to catch up quickly. Like if you were 50 points down, you can't get a player that just has a bonanza double game week to make up that that cap. But uh, the general question, Mike, I'll throw out to you right now is uh, about losing the audience with my caveat being, is this the right year to even be having this conversation seriously? Well, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, everything for MLS is much tougher. Um, even with as critical as I've been for MLS's lack of emotion, it's kind of hard to criticize them for not dumping tons of it with everything else going on um, socially and that, that MLS, you know, is needed to cover. Um, I, I do think, in general, the biggest part of the audience that has gone over the past few years has generally been the FPL crowd. Um, one, the game shifted away from the system that they knew. And two, the way that the game shifted put more emphasis on lineups that were happening while they were asleep. That's fair. So I think most of them stopped playing. And we kind of noticed this um, in in a loss in Reddit traffic because a lot of those commenters were also FPL commenters. 
Um, I don't think that's the only explanation. Clearly, MLS is not promoted as well. We've talked about how there's no social media presence for MLS Fantasy right now. Um, we, talk, we talked earlier at the top of the show about trying to get mentions on Extra Time. That used to happen a lot more frequently. There used to be videos produced by MLS. None of that is happening. So there's less of a stake in players because they don't feel like they have to have a fantasy part in order to play. I think another part of it, too, um, and we've talked about injury news and all the other things, is that there's more games to keep track of. You know, mm-hmm. whereas the league keeps expanding, there's more things, there's more games you need to watch. You know, when I started, there were how many less teams, like just four or five years ago, how many new teams are entered into the league? It's a yeah. lot easier to keep up then than it is now when we're up to 26 teams. So I think all of that is kind of come into play. Um, I don't know if it's the salary cap rules specifically. Um, I, th- I think maybe in a normal year you would see more uh, of an ironing out. Um, right now it's just kind of so crazy because you're having weird rotations, players kind of coming in. Um, t- to me, I haven't had too much difficulty with the salary cap. Um, it's mostly I've had to get like one or two maybe cheaper guys as opposed to the ultimate premiums that I would have. But, I mean, that's kind of more of a matter of taste. Um, to me, I think more players are struggling with the fact that you need to pay attention on lineups. And as of right now, that's an ask from, you know, all day Saturday, maybe a good chunk of Sunday, uh, maybe all night Wednesday. And if you're busy, you can lose it. Um, I would think the double game weeks, even though you can't make so much of a big jump, you also can't fall behind as much. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But like you said, it's kind of tough to view MLS's numbers on this season. But I do think we can point out they weren't g- good before COVID. Um, we were looking at a drop before then. And clearly there needs to be some sort of action by MLS. And I don't think it's just a rule change or a format change. Mm-hmm. Other than like switching it back to FPL in hopes that all those guys return. Right. Um, but frankly, there needs to be a lot more investment from MLS if we're going to see the numbers turn around. No, I think you're right, and I think Chad's right too. They're they're echoing a lot of the the same, the same sentiments. We've had some. We had a neat mechanic with the Champions League this year. We had some some neat promotions with the opening weekend challenge. Before they just haven't got a lot of that promotion, and so I think it really is the promotion. Because I know we've had guys from uh, Austin who are already listening to our show, and and they're excited about fantasy and playing fantasy. And so I think really pushing it with these new expanding markets is is an opportunity. For the league, uh, I agree. I don't. I don't think blaming the salary cap is is right. Maybe it is uh, chasing off FPL players, uh, which I mean, if the focus for MLS is trying to build our fantasy game within our community and our nation for our league, I mean, I get that, and that's just going to happen, and it just has to be seen as acceptable. Uh, we're trying to get American fans interested in soccer and MLS in particular and we're trying to use fantasy as a vehicle to get them interested in watching a game that's not necessarily their team Uh, and I think that that just has to be seen as an inevitable result of focusing on that because you're right and I hadn't thought about it specifically that way Mike but that that time difference is is definitely massive and real and I can really see how that would be a frustration for yeah because I mean before they just need to have the, the first lineup or, I mean, they may not even have that. And so, you know, that lineup used to drop like five, five o'clock. That's about um, 
and like midnight over there. So as of right now, it's pushed back a lot later, so it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, but I will also say I, I don't think this is the best time to start talking about were these changes successful. It's just been so weird, and we've seen like we've seen it. People in our experts league who are hardcore players who have just had a complete reset in their lives and, and the reset with this season, and they haven't come back. And I get it. I totally understand that being the reaction, and I hope these people come back next year. And I just think it's it's not the best time to look at that. The other part of the the Discord comment that I got. Uh, mentioned that the double game week rule was negatively impacting high floor players. So a lot of our defensive mids, uh, people like Chara, somebody like that, who might get five or six points, four or five or six points, and get you an eight, ten, or twelve for a double game week. That would be a very solid player, probably a cheap player that you could put into your lineup, and that he or she was not seeing these players this year because of the double game week rule and i think that's a valid statement with this rule but my counter is i think we're seeing different players i mean we're seeing some more of these chicago players before they were a thing we're seeing some of these new york players that people are taking a flyer on we're seeing some of these colorado players that people were taking a flyer on um <clears throat> so i think we're seeing different differential players the boomer bust players are equally uh, being used and so I, I think that would be my counter to that statement is we are seeing different players i think we're seeing more variety for sure we're having different conversations about the strength of a single game versus the the hit or miss of a double game and even the the larger impact of rotation so i think it's just a different pool of players that's being looked at or being highlighted and i don't think we'll ever be able to have a system that gives equal viability to all players and i'll make two comments on that one i think the fact that the sheer mass of double game which has made it difficult for those players to shine yes i mean when you have 10 teams on a double game week it's hard to do a defensive mid uh but to me the, the problem the, the loss for defensive mids on double game week didn't happen with this rule change it happened with last year's rule change when we went down from four players available per team mm. to three mm. because before, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll easily throw that fourth player, that D-mid. You know, if we went to Toronto, for example, easy to get goalkeeper, um, defender, uh, and maybe if you didn't like one of the forwards, get Michael Bradley and Pozuelo, something like that. Uh, or maybe scrap the defender for uh, Josie Altidore. This, th now that you're down to three, it's a lot harder to justify bringing in a player like Michael Bradley, even though he's going to get you a high floor you generally want to have those high point potentials because you figure if you can hit it on one, you'll make up more than what Michael Bradley did. Mm -hmm. So I think those defensive midfielders really shown in a four-player system. Um, I, I didn't mind that rule change because I thought we did see a little bit more diversity. It was harder to pick which of the three players you wanted. So, yeah, and it, we, we've talked about how to get defensive midfielders in um, – Honestly, at this point, with more and more teams, it's going to be harder and harder to yeah. justify picking defensive midfielders. And I don't know that there's a point system out there that's really going to justify yeah. taking defensive mids unless you basically force players to pick defensive mids. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick makes a good comment that these changes were really focused on getting rid of template teams, which I think they've been excellent at doing. Uh, the salary cap and the increasing cost of players definitely makes for hard decisions i know especially the last two or three weeks i've been faced with hard decisions of who i did and didn't want to make you look at some more of the value players we're still getting value players so um i personally feel that uh 
the shift, because I view it as a shift, of which players are going to be your differentials, your D-mids versus some boomer bust guys, is a much more acceptable reality than template teams. Because I get it. That is definitely a, a bummer when everyone's going to have the same players and you're, you may have one different person. It might come down to your captain. Um, but I, I think fixing template teams was the better decision because that's been a complaint that a lot of people have had for a lot of years. So, uh, Old Handbread, I hope that was serious enough for you. We'll definitely have a conversation like this again at the end of the season. We'll try to bring James Ballow or Ben Bayer or both on to have that conversation. And we'll try to work up a survey or something. I know that um, James is definitely very interested in getting feedback from the community uh so they definitely want to hear these comments and uh i look forward to having some more of those discussions in the future but now let's talk about housekeeping for round nine uh, before we do that any other final thoughts mike or chat for for any takeaways from round eight nothing for me All right hearing none Motion to move to the housekeeping. Seconded by me. Okay. So, round nine. Oh. <laughs> I just took it over. Seconded by Blaine. Seconded by Blaine. Um, so, last week we had the show air before the schedule update came out. And so, now we have all the rest of the schedule filled in. And I, I thought round nine could potentially start on Wednesday. I am so happy to be wrong. Round nine is a regular week. There are what? no no midweek games at, right. at this time. There are no midweek games listed for round nine. Round nine starts on Saturday, October the third. That's right. We have a whole week to think about this. Round ten though is a quick turnaround, so go ahead and start thinking about round ten. That starts on Tuesday, October sixth. So we just have a few days in there. Saturday and Sunday uh, is what round nine is. And then on Tuesday, games start back up. Another big double game week. But this week, nobody is on a double game week. And also, nobody is on a bye week. Or are they? As Mike mentioned at the beginning of the show, there is a very good chance that Portland and Colorado's game could be canceled. Uh, keep an eye on that because if that does happen, then uh, you will definitely want Portland and Colorado players on your team as uh, the guaranteed players who are not be playing because they'll be on, I don't know if we're even calling them buy teams anymore, just cancel teams or whatever. But uh, their players definitely won't play, and they would be excellent options if you're going for any kind of Aru uh, for round nine. Uh, other updates, uh, if you check the Disco report, you can see there are a whole slew of players, a whole mess of players, who have four yellow cards and are very close to having a, a yellow card uh, suspension for a game. So um, I have that loaded up but uh feel free to check it out it's the mls disciplinary summary if you want to uh to look that up i mean we've got calvo from chicago who's been putting up some good numbers uh, figueroa from houston who's also been putting up some good numbers memo rodriguez is on there uh lgp from miami is on there um going through here real quick uh justin glad from rsl putting up some good numbers right there uh, those are some of the players that jump out right now all those guys are on four cautions and most of them have four, two to four games left before they uh, get a good behavior incentive. So keep an eye on that. Yellow cards could be an impact in round nine for who is available for you in round 10. Mike, any injury news or updates or anything else to add to that? Um, Bear uh, officially sustained an ACL injury in the, T in the TFC match. He is out for the season. 
Alex Ring came off early. Um, and then, you know, Maxi Morales is probably going to be out for most of the rest of the se- regular season, if not the entire regular season. Um, also, just kind of a note, um, MLS did officially announce the rest of the season and the changes in the playoff structure. Um, so it is 10 teams from the East, eight teams from the West who will be making the playoffs. So that is now official, which I don't believe was official before. So um, that'll be something to keep in mind is because pretty much everyone is still technically in it. Uh, and also the, the injury report uh, was last updated on September 28th. If you want to check that out for MLS, they have every team with uh, the various injuries there. Um, I will also point out again, mention it at the top of the show, uh, Rui Diaz got a red card for the second game of Seattle this week. So if you were wondering why he was not there, uh, that is why it's not some sort of injury or lingering issue. So if you're thinking about having uh, Jordan Morse or Will Bruin on your team uh, because you think Rui Diaz may be out for some sort of strange reason, some sort of because MLS reason, uh, he will be available. So just not saying pick him. I'm just saying that's part of your thought process for this week. Uh, if nothing else from chat, we will move on to our player picks for round nine. Blaine has been so nice as to provide me with a uh, graphic of what his team currently is. Uh, he clearly did not see the news about Portland, Colorado, because he does have a Portland player on his team, but we will taunt him about that throughout this entire week uh, and mention it when we get to the relevant section. So, Mike, let's start out with keepers and defenders, and I will start with Blaine's pick since he usually goes first here. Uh, Blaine is going with a, a keeper-roo, and he is going with... Uh, so I thought about going with a keeper-roo involving... DC. He has Bill Hamid on his bench. I haven't decided if I'm brave enough or not to do that because DC and Atlanta are both terror bad. And I don't know if that's going to make this a 0-0 snooze fest. I don't know if somehow DC with maybe the better Higuain will do better this this week uh, or if Atlanta will be able to be better than DC. I don't know. There's just so much about this game that I, I am unsure about but Bill Hamid is only 5.3. DC is at home. If you're going to do a keeperoo, that's probably your best option right there. Uh, or if you're looking at the Orlando-New York game, which starts earlier, um, Galice is a 8.1, 8.4, something like that. He's an 8 million keeper, which is a bit expensive uh, for my taste for a keeperoo. Uh, and Orlando's been able to put some goals up. New York has this recent result that they've had, so I'm not very confident about that one. Uh, but he has Bill Hamid on the bench, which means he is looking at one of these later 10 o'clock games for his his second keeper, and he has Stefan Fry for Seattle versus uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. I like that pick. Um, I think that's a solid keeper Probably the best keeper option because uh, you're really looking at either the Seattle-Vancouver game or the San Jose-LA Galaxy game. And I equally don't trust the San Jose-LA Galaxy game as much as I don't trust the DC-Atlanta game. So uh, I get where he's going. But that's what Blaine's looking at right there. Stephen Fry is 7.6, so not too bad for uh, sharing between there. Uh, then for his defenders, he has a burn bomb for the DC Atlanta game. He is 5.7, so he's really banking on that clean sheet for DC. Kind of surprised I might have started uh, a DC player on my bench if I was going to go with this keeper to try to save some 
to face there. Uh, he has Kalman on his bench, or sorry, Kalman on the field for uh, Minnesota, five million. He has Bornstein for Chicago in the field with four point five, uh, and then he has Romero from Toronto, four million, and Reyes from uh, Inter Miami, four million on his field as uh, two of his switcheroo options right there. So he is looking at a three-man back line. He's just set with Birnbaum, Kalman, and Bornstein as being his, his defenders, and that's where all of his switcheroos are coming from there. What do you think of those, Mike? Oh, I think they're really interesting. Um, I have some similar picks. Um, my keeperoo is actually a little bit different. Um, so I'm okay with Galicia's, um price point so i have him as the first game because that's a three o'clock kickoff it's like three hours before everyone else um i know red bulls have been very good the last two weeks but the competition has been pretty bad too so um i don't know how much of that is just noise i'm willing to bet that orlando especially Orlando at home can keep a clean sheet uh but if not i have st Clair from minnesota uh we've talked about cincinnati's struggles to score so i think minnesota is a really good option defensively and that's why i also have metanair uh, seven million uh, against Cincinnati, so kind of putting some eggs in that basket. Um, right now, also, kind of with Orlando, New York uh, Red Bulls, I have Smith. Um, he's four million, but he's been starting recently, so I think it's a pretty cheap uh, ticket into the clean sheet. Um, also for DC United, I have. Uh, I didn't go with Burnbaum. I went cheaper with Mora. He also seems to be starting consistently, mm-hmm. but this is putting a lot of onus on me to check lineups. Uh, and then on the bench, I have um, Farrell. Um, he's 7.5, so he's a little bit more expensive now, but uh, New England has been pretty stout defensively, mm-hmm. uh, and Nashville is not the most consistent offensive team. So. No, indeed not. Indeed not. No, I like those picks. Uh, you're, you're definitely right that uh, I think uh, if you go with a keeper going with Orlando, New York gives you the most flexibility because you still have every other game to pick from. So that's uh, that's a nice... A nice one to look at right there. For for me, as I said, I wasn't quite sure about this DC game, wasn't quite sure about this Orlando game, so I decided to only go with one keeper again. This uh, is also has the added benefit of just letting me save some cash as to where I'm going to shift that, that money to. So I am looking right now at uh, Turner from New England. I do like that shot. Uh, Nashville has not been the greatest scoring team on the road. Uh, New England's pretty average at home, but they're in that sort of upper third section of average. So uh, I, I like that matchup there. And then uh, I have I have Kessler on uh, on my field also from New England. Um, he was a little bit cheaper than Farrell. That's what I was looking at. He's been playing as well. Mostly I'm just clean sheet hunting here. I mean, he's he's not gotten any big points except for the clean sheet. So this is kind of a clean sheet hunting here, doubling up on... England and that's usually what I do uh, if, if a lot of you all may do this who listen uh, but usually I'm going to double up with my style I, I double up at least one defender with with my keeper and if I'm doing a keeper sometimes I'll have one defender matching each keeper just so I can try to double up on a clean sheet if they do get that some people I know like to just have a variety uh, but this is just how I approach it is, is I always try to double up the next two options that I have I went super cheap with with my defense right here and this may be what people uh this may be some of the boomer bust players that we're looking at right now um i went with with tolo 
for Seattle. He's 4.2. He's been starting on the left wing. Seattle did just get Roman Torres back. I forgot to mention that earlier. Roman Torres traded from Miami. He is a central defender, so I doubt that would displace Tolo. It might be one of the center mid guy, center defender guys who are going to be displaced, but uh, at 4.2, I really like Tolo. He's not been playing every game, uh, so he's definitely one that I need to keep an eye on for, sorry, no, Tolo has been playing every game. It's my next defender that's not been playing every game. Tolo seems pretty good, 4.2. My next defender is from Minnesota, uh, Dibisi, and he is 5.8. He has not been playing every game. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself in my notes. Um, and uh, But he did start last week against RSL, played the full 90 minutes. Uh, a couple the week before that, he played 45 at Houston, then he played 90 at Sporting Kansas City. So I think he might be good for Sporting Kansas City, uh, and he's 5.8, so that's a great value. Uh, Patrick in chat mentions that Brad Smith, uh, who is 4.5, um, might be starting in case of of uh, Tolo, which is totally fine with me. I'm happy to have me some Brad Smith, and uh, mm -hmm. I have the room in my budget for a 0.3 increase in a left back so if it's tolo or brad smith uh, i'm looking for that real cheap back this week i've seen several teams on on reddit and on on twitter and on discord have been posting like heavy defensive teams four players five players and we're seeing some of the the results from the past dream team the last couple of weeks with these four four twos that, that we've seen i i get it um i just look at the lineup of games this week and i'm i don't have lots of stuff screaming clean sheet at me um looking at some of the stats a lot of the players who are on the road have had some decent success at scoring a lot of the players who are at home have only had some okay success at clean sheets and even some of the players who have had good success at home like toronto has a pretty strong home record they're playing against philadelphia so they're playing these strong teams that just make me concerned that a goal might get through and if i'm kind of clean sheet hunting and that's a game in hartford too so it's right like a really exactly weird right right it's it's hardly any distance from philadelphia so i'm i'm concerned this week about cleans sheets being plentiful so i'm trying to clean sheet hunt on the cheap right now yeah. and put most of my money in the attack and I think defenders have been benefiting from the double game week structure that we've had because you give two defenders two shots at a clean sheet. Yeah. And if you can identify the defenders with two decent shots, generally you're going to hit one or the other. Um, it's a lot harder in a week like this where you're just single game weeks. And I mean, D DC Atlanta is a perfect example. Um, on paper, neither of those teams can score and it's 0 0. But we've been doing this long enough to know because MLS, that's probably a three to three game. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, Shannon asked about a Seattle Vancouver game, and and I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I've got I plan on having a Seattle player, Shannon. Um, Vancouver has been surprising some this year. They've been able to get some sort of an offense together at times. Uh, Seattle's got an experienced team. If Torres comes back, I think that boosts their defense, and uh, could could be helpful. Uh, he's coming back to Seattle, so this isn't a situation where you're bringing in somebody completely new uh, that's not going to be familiar with these players these guys know him he knows he knows them so i think if they bring torres back that that it could really really help boost the team uh, on defense and and i like their shot i mean vancouver while they've been surprising still aren't stellar um so i, I think seattle's got got a decent shot uh i mean i think they've got a better shot than some other teams so i'm, I'm good to roll with with seattle uh, someone i didn't include was um 
anybody from Atlanta or DC on my team, and that's again because I don't, I don't know about those names. I also thought about Calvo from Chicago, but again, Montreal has had some success, and Tider didn't play at all last week. And with that, we're going to transition into midfielders. Mike, who do you got? All right, so um, I have uh, Nicholas Ladero. Um, I think I've come back around that he's been okay fantasy wise. Uh, because he's been really good fantasy-wise. He's 14.7, <laughs> and he's earned that um, price. Um, there have been some concerns about whether or not Paulo has overtaken him, um, whether or not on-field discussion is relevant to me. He's Ladero still producing fantasy-wise, so he's he's got to be on my team. Um, even though I don't love the Seattle-Vancouver matchup, Vancouver's just kind of struggled. There's just so much upside there, um, even though I feel like there's a risk because somehow Vancouver always tends to mess with Seattle in that game. Cause it's a rough <laughs> game. Um, Cascadia, I have from, yeah, Cascadia Cup. Uh, Herbers from Chicago, um, they've, they've kind of finally put it together. He's been really good recently, so I've got him. Um, I have on my bench Sebastian Legette. He's been putting up okay numbers, but, again, he's ha- taken a huge hit from Chicharito, which is why he's on my bench. But they're playing against San Jose. Um, and I know San Jose's gotten some decent results, including a win against the LA Galaxy in recent weeks, but I just don't trust that team. So I have them on the bench because I think there's an opportunity there. Um, and basically my plan is if he does really well, then maybe I'll swap out uh, Rusnak. Uh, I have Rusnak on the, on the field uh, because LASC has been really struggling defensively. So I think uh, Rusnak at home is pretty much as solid as a pick as we've had the past few years as possible, uh, especially with LAFC struggles. And then I have Quintero. Uh, Blaine has talked a lot about uh, Sporting Kansas City struggling um, with fast pace behind uh, the wings. Houston's given Sporting Kansas City trouble already. Uh, and Quintero, he has a blip every now and then, but he's been pretty consistent. And he's only 9.2, uh, I believe. Yeah, 9.2. So, um, he, he frees up some money elsewhere, so um, I've got him on, on my squad. Okay, uh, Blaine agrees with you, Mike. He also has Nicholas Sodero on his team. He's just so expensive, $14.7 million. Uh, I mean, looking at his numbers, uh, Paolo was scoring higher this week, I think nine versus eight, uh, but Ladero is still getting those shots, and he, of course, is on those PKs. So uh, Nicholas Ladero, 14.7. Blaine also has Nani for uh, 9.5. Interesting pick right there. Uh, Nani's a good one. Uh, Mueller's another one I know people talk about who sort of comes and goes. Both of those probably become those uh, differential players for me, uh, but Blaine's going with Nani. He has uh, Memo Rodriguez, 7.4 on there, going for a little bit cheaper. Uh, still some good quality. Then he has Diego Valeri on his team right now, which we know is probably clearly a mistake uh, because that game is a very high chance of being canceled. On his bench, he also has uh, Herbers. Herbers. Uh, haven't had to pronounce that name for a little while, so don't know about that one. Uh, but uh, Blaine says clearly he is the better midfield option, when, of course, if you're looking at midfielders from Chicago, um, you can see that um, Madron has a higher total score. I think he got more points last week as well. Uh, they've also had some, some very good results from uh, Jimenez and also from uh, Mikhailovic, but I think we've all been looking at 
at Herbers because he's has a great run of form right now. Uh, so there's some consistency there that a lot of us like. And he's 10.1, a little bit cheaper than some of these other guys as well. So he's a he's a good value, and I agree that that's a that's a great pickup for this week. Uh, for me, I have uh, also have Herbers. I think he's he's a great option. I have Paolo right here because it's it's pure price. Like he's 11.7. It's it's really messing with me trying to get that 14 almost 15 million player into my lineup at this time because of some other places I want to spend at. I'd have to cut back on my forwards to do that, which I may. Uh, another place I may cut back is I have tight air in my team right now. He did not play either game last week. I was searching for some injury news about him. I couldn't find it, and Charles is sharing with us right now in chat that he has a muscle injury. So that may be a quick shift that, that I make away from Tidare, and that would likely free up money for me to go to Ladero, which I would I would like if I if I could afford him. Uh, I would probably look at Quintero as another option. That that price point makes it easy to free up some money. And he has success against Sporting Kansas City. He got an assist the last time they played each other. Uh, I don't remember who got the goal. Of course, the problem is what's the impact of Elise being gone from them right now. But I still do like like that pick. My other pick for midfielder that I have on my bench is Royer. I like him as sort of a boomer bust player this week against Orlando. He's 9.7. I think he's a pretty good shot. He was pretty active last week involved in both of those four goals scored for New York. So uh, he tends to be the player I've liked most anyway. I know a lot of people have looked at Kaku as well, but but I've always liked Royer as, uh, as one of my go-to New York players. I think he's been a bit more consistent, and he doesn't kick balls in people's faces. So, so there's that as well. Uh, I'm not seeing anything else from chat, just the tighter news. So that's one to keep an eye on. If you do want to take a, take a flyer on Montreal, uh, you can do that. I mean, they're going to be 7.30 before they play, so you will have time to see that lineup before you shift. I mean, you could look at uh, a Toronto option. You could easily switch over to Quintero if you want to go with that. Um, but uh, I was looking at tighter mostly because of the rest that I thought he might have because of this so because he's been playing a couple of double game weeks in a row and i thought maybe they just gave him the week off who knows then a muscle injury because <laughs> mls i tried I tried very hard let's move on to forwards chat go ahead and share who you were looking at i thought forwards was really fun this week picking through the forwards it's been frustrating before uh, but mm -hmm. it's fun this time blaine of course come on there we go. <laughs> Blaine, of course, went with his man, Jossi Zardes, on his bench, $10.8 for that Dallas-Columbus game. Could be kind of tough. I don't know. Dallas has, has gotten some clean sheets uh, this last few weeks. Uh, that could be a tough game for, for Columbus, especially missing Zillarion. Uh, he also has Jordan Morris on his bench, 12.7. I don't know if this is because he thought that Rui Diaz would not be available or because he thinks Morris will do well. Morris got a goal and an assist last week, and the thing about Morris is he tends to like do really well one week and then goes two weeks with not a very big score, then does really well again. So I kind of don't know if I want to go with Morris right after... Uh, he did really well <laughs> right there. But the, he has Jordan Morris. And then his third player, the only player that he has on his field right now for forward is Barrick from uh, Chicago. 10.4 on a great run of form with goals and assists. Uh, pretty, he, he might be one that's in a lot of teams this week, with uh, even with an away game to Montreal. Mike, who are you looking at? 
So I'm looking at two of the same players that um, Blaine is, and then I have kind of a cheap wild card to kind of play with uh, in there. Um, I have Jossie Zardes on the bench. I'm kind of worried about um, Columbus's inconsistency and Dallas's. Um, I don't want us to say like run of good form, but they're definitely tightening up defensively from what they, we saw when they were first giving up goals to Nashville. Um, I have Jordan Morris right now. Um, it's kind of the high upside against Vancouver. Obviously, that's a boomer bust. And, and then I have Corey Baird on the field. And, and a lot of that is because he's 4.2. Um, and I can easily kind of scrub him out uh, if necessary, m- mostly if Zardes or Farrell or some of the other players do well, and I want to bring in some additional players. Um, but also, he is very much a boomer bust guy. Like, when he does well, it's like 10 points. So to kind of have him on there just to kind of see what happens, and I have a little bit of money in the bank to play with it, kind of depending on what else happens. So it's kind of a weird pick um, because he – Hasn't been starting consistently, but when he does do well, he does really well. And it's mostly a statement of how little confidence I have in LAFC's defense. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Uh, For me, I also have Barrick. I thought that was a pretty good good shot against Montreal this week. They've not been the best at home, so so I like that option. Um, I have Jordan Morris right now. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, I've gone back and forth with Rui Diaz. What I love about this week with forwards is I think you can make some good arguments for a lot of players, uh, which with the last few weeks we've just been like, oh my god, who do I want? This is such horrible options with forwards. But I think there's a lot of, of good value this week. I also have Bo on the field right now. I like that matchup against Nashville. They've also not been great defensively on the road and with Fagundes getting a bit more involved and with um, Lee Wynn back helping with some of the, the creativity. I think that's that's been good for Bo. Uh, so so I, I like Bo. 9.9, pretty good value. Seen some comments in in chat. Um, Kai Kamara is, is one I, I think could be Definitely an option that you look at with Minnesota going up against Cincinnati. That big body of Kai Kamara could really mess up with uh, what Cincinnati is trying to do defensively. Um, the comments, we saw the the big beatdown they had against New York last week. And uh, when, when Yap Stom came back, he he pretty much called out the fans when, when he had the press conference about that. And he said, this is what happens when we try to go forward and go like that. So... Uh, I don't think he feels like he has the team that can do that. I think he feels like he has to have this team that plays defensively and goes on the reactions, which is fair because he didn't build this team. So I don't know if we'll see that kind of goal fest from Cincinnati this week like we saw against them last week because they may go back to some more of that defense first style, uh, especially after that press conference. Maybe it was just smoke and mirrors, but that's what he said. (laughs) That's what I'm going with. But I can really see a good argument for Kai Kamara this week. Uh, people mentioning Jordan Morris. I, I totally get that one as well being talked about. Shannon mentioned uh, Barlow from the Red Bulls as a bench option. He's $4 million. He got two goals last week. Yeah. The definition of a boom and bust player. Um, I don't have him. My my worry with him is that it, it may not give you some great options to move around with. I mean, that's a $4 million player right there. If you spend a lot of your money on other positions, will you have enough money to get a quality back if you don't want to go with him? Uh, but he's $4 billion. I mean, if, if you're not planning on running 3-4, I think there's three good forwards, and that's why I worry about just using a $4 million shot like that. 
I, I think if you're using him, I think he's on your bench because that's the first Test game, him, yeah. so you can kind of um, really adjust and, and you don't lose too much. Um, but yeah, I, I think Reed is right. It depends on what other forwards you see, and really where where you want to spend your money. Um, I mean, you have to kind of sacrifice some value somewhere. Um, I did it a little bit at forward, or at least on my third forward, uh, and then mostly on the defensive line and splurged on midfielders. So it's, it depends on where you want to sacrifice. Yeah, other forwards you might look at. Uh, I mean, you could take a look at, at Toronto, of course, and see who they might start up on top. Uh, Philadelphia's been pretty good defensively, so I would kind of worry about that. I'd rather go with someone like Pozuelo if you're going to go with a Toronto player. Uh, but, I mean, you, you could get lucky seeing who's who's starting up. Same thing, though, if you're looking at, like, Shabilko for for Philly, I kind of worry about that pick because Toronto has been pretty good as well. Uh, Charles mentions Minotas is, is 5.1. That's another good option over there with Houston. Um, and, of course, we have to mention the elephant in the room, the, the PK-skying elephant in the room, <laughs> Higuain over at Inter Miami nine. Let's see, he came in at nine point five. I did not check his. Oh, he's still nine point five. So he came in at nine point five. Still nine point five. Mike, are you tempted by Inter Miami's Higuain? I'm assuming no. After what you were talking about with New York's defense first, they play New York City FC yeah. this week. Nine point five Higuain, uh, pass or play. Uh, to, to me, it's pass. Uh, we talked about New York City's defense. Um, Higuain still meeting his teammates. Uh, I think it was kind of surprising that Higuain started so early for them. Uh, but, I mean, like we said, they're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, and they have a decent shot to do so, so they're trying to get as much uh, as, as they can. Um, to me, I want to see something more out of him. Uh, I mean, he would have been four points without the PK miss. That's not amazing. There's just so many good midfield options right now. It's hard for me to justify that uh, at this price right now. Uh, and, new, and, and the matchup's just not good enough. I mean, that's not to say that he can't go off. It's it's possible. We haven't seen it yet in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of want to see that. And I suspect when we do see it, it's not going to be against a defense first team like New York. Right. But he still had five shots last week. So, I mean, he definitely has the potential to have a big, a big goal fest. Philly, not yeah. the easiest team to start out right. with. Uh, it was pointed out in chat, Mike, that we forgot to specifically talk about clean sheets. So before we hit our boomer bust players, um, I know we've mentioned our defenders, but do you want to mention real quick just who you think has good clean sheet shots? Uh, yeah, Minnesota and Orlando I think are good. We talked about the D.C. Atlanta game as mm-hmm. one of those either 0-0 or 3-3 games. <laughs> um, maybe some other uh, New England. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Seattle. Um, maybe FC Dallas, um, but we'll have to see. Probably depends on if Columbus starts Zillaran. Yeah. No, again, like I said before, I, I'm not sure about clean sheets this week. Uh, I, I think you're right, Mike. Uh, I think Seattle's got a good shot. I think Minnesota's got a good shot. Uh, New England have a good shot. I'm, I'm not sure about DC Atlanta. Again, I could see that being 0-0 or, like you said, 3-3. Who knows? And I'm still worried about Orlando, New York Red Bulls, but I totally see where you're coming from with with liking Orlando. So, sorry, chat. Those are the specific clean sheet uh, call-outs. And thank you for pointing that out. Let's go to boom or bust players. Uh, So, um, Blaine didn't send any over for this. I've already mentioned a couple during... 
uh, my picks, uh, one of them, of course, is, is Royer. One I didn't mention that I'm going to say right now is Figueroa at defense. 10.2 for Houston. He's been he's the second highest scoring defender in the game. Been racking up a massive amount of, of bonus points. Going against Sporting Kansas City, uh, which is, has not been amazing this year. So I think Figueroa's got a shot at a clean sheet, uh, but it's not enough for me to be really banking on it. But uh, with how he's been putting up bonus points, I could see him still having a, a decent score uh, this week. And so I have him on my bench as a boomer bus player. I got a few more, Mike, but I want to give you a chance to, to add anybody before I just start rattling. Them uh, we've talked about uh, Jordan Morris. I think he's boomer bus. Uh, I, I think Legette is probably a boomer yep. bus player uh, with the inconsistency with. Um, Chicharito, I have Baird. Um, I'm I'm almost kind of wondering if Jossie Zardes is moving into that category of movie mm, bucks. I can see that. Um, Without Zella but, Rayon. <laughs> yeah, because um, because he's not putting up as many bonus points. I mean, he's getting the goals, which is why he's still maintaining yeah. fantasy relevant. But he he's really easily booming booming or busting. So I think those are mine. I think you might even add Shabilko to that list. This just because of the stronger Toronto defense, um, that maybe Shabilko or, or Aronson might be a boomer bust this week. Because that this might be a tougher game. Maybe not as high on your list. Uh, I would probably put Rusnak. You had mentioned him, Mike. He would probably be a boomer bust player for me just because of of LAFC. Um, and then we mentioned before. Bradley Wright Phillips, I think, is an amazing boomer bust option if you want to run to. Uh, I, I've seen several teams with Rossi as their only forward. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best play this week. Um, I can see betting against RSL. They've had some success, though, so they're not as bad. Um, and it's a late game. I think there's some other decent shots for goals. Uh, and he's not been a, a big part of some of these goal fests that they've had. It's been more Bradley Wright Phillips. So BWP may be the better shot. So uh, that's uh, that's an interesting development that we've had because it's been his minutes that have really – I mean, they've scared me. I mean, I'm looking at this guy. Can I really get a player and be like, yeah, I'm okay if you only play 54 minutes. That's, that's, uh, that's cool. And, I mean, if he keeps putting up two goals each time he does it, then, yeah, that is that is cool. Heck, even getting one goal for 54 minutes is, isn't bad if they're uh, coming off like that. So it's uh, it's an interesting option that I'm, I'm warming up to. All right, let's wrap this up, Mike, with captains. Who do you have? Uh, right now I have it on Ladero. Um, he's been really consistent uh, as far as production, so... Uh, I'm probably cursing Seattle with this pick, but that's what I have it on. <laughs> uh, Blaine agrees with you. He also has it on Ladero. I do not have Ladero in my team. So right now I put this on the captain on Bo, which is is not something I'm super comfortable with because, like, as I said before, <laughs> I don't really like putting the captain on my forwards because I, I tend to like the bonus point options of the midfielders more however if i do some readjusting like if i take tighter out and go with a quintero i will probably switch paulo to ladero in which case that that will be a decision i will i will definitely make but um i like i like the ladero as a pick Bo is something for me if you're not considering ladero or can't afford him uh, i think he has some some good upside against nashville right there uh chad if you guys have any suggestions uh for other other players go for it. I mean, someone from Chicago might be a very daring 
uh, <laughs> player right now. That, that could be very interesting. Uh, I would not recommend captaining a defender, even though we saw uh, Tinner Holm do amazing last week. I, that is also something that uh, I I may have done it once in in all these <laughs> years, uh, but that's not something I'm usually as brave. Generally for. doesn't work out, especially in this No, it does not. It generally does not. Uh, so that's what I have for uh, for the captain. That's who Blaine has and Mike have. That is all that we have for our player picks right now. Uh, chat, do you all have any final questions as uh, we start wrapping up? Let's see here. Looking over here. Um, see, Patrick has his captain on Jordan Morris. That's that's an interesting one since I do really agree he's more of a differential player, boomer bust player. It'd be tough for me to put a captain on him. Um, Javier is asking about Pavone at captain only because it's San Jose and I think LA Galaxy looks to break the dry goals. Uh, that's a lot of faith. I I don't know. That Chicharito element really makes me wary of giving Pavone a spot. Uh, and I mean, giving any LA players spots in my team, especially giving them a captain. That uh, I'm, I, I, I guess I'll just say it. I don't like LA Galaxy with Chicharito. I think it's just been a, a very disrupting season for them not just what's been going on nationally but I, I don't really think he settled well the the comment i saw on twitter was that's what happens when you draft players just to sell jerseys um and i don't know <laughs> if they bench chicharita i'll look at la galaxy P- probably yeah yeah i mean i think that does boost the value of legit that boosts the, ba- the value of pavone clearly those two players uh are go-to targets for me when Chicharito's not there right now and Pavone has only scored above three points once since Chicharito came back. Yeah, he was great when I mean, he was gone. He's just, it's just been twos and threes. He got an assist last week. That's it. And I've not really been watching those LA games, so I, I haven't broken down how they're playing with him and how that looks. Uh, I haven't looked at the video. I've just not been looking at LA because of just some of this rough form that they've been on. Uh, and it's been kind of busy with the baby on the way, so... Haven't gotten to watch as much soccer as I wanted to at times, so I have to do some replays and read some articles. But uh, and the stats—we're looking at the stats too. We do all those good things, but yeah, um, I don't say anything else. So, Mike, anything that you want to say for wrapping us up? Uh, that's it. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us tonight. Uh, again, if you came in late uh, for the live stream, or if you just missed this for some reason at the top of the show. Uh, please do keep Blaine and his family in your mind. He's dealing with some stuff. Uh, so thoughts and prayers for, for Blaine right now with what he's dealing with. With Hope, he'll be back next week. Uh, don't forget the games start on Saturday this week, so there's no need to rush. We'll try to get some more articles out over at Fantasy Boss now that there's actually time to do those sorts of things. But Unless they decide to make a game on Friday or Wednesday just because. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. Who knows? Uh, but... Uh, Please check out r slash fantasy MLS. Head over to the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord chat. There's lots of great conversation going on and great people to just interact with right there for thoughts and ideas and rate my team as well. Discord has some some great rate my team discussions and players just thrown out all the time. And there is a dedicated thread at r slash fantasy MLS. Also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Mike Blaine and I, we love to interact with people. I love to hear the scores and the reports, successes and failures. Uh, I love to just share those moments with everybody. And don't forget, let's get fantasy on extra time. So hit up the guys at extra time, either at extra time or at Weeby or at Empire Goss. Maybe not overflow Charlie because he's kind of new to this whole thing. So we don't need to bother Charlie, but definitely David and Andrew. And just let's send them your fantasy questions. Let's try to get one fantasy comment 
on extra time this week if we can or or next week whatever but thank you so much for listening to us everyone tonight and good luck <laughs>